I have a question for you. You ready for this question? Yes. What, I mean, really, I want you to think about this. What is the biggest misperception that people may have about you? Now, just think about that for, for a moment. What is the biggest misperception that people may have about you? How about your boss? Do you wish you could go and correct some misperceptions that they may have about you? What about a teacher? That's really hard, man. When a teacher gets a misperception about you, it's like, oh, how do I undo that? What about your kids? Do your kids have a misperception about you? What about a spouse? If you're married, oh, what did, does your spouse have? It's like, you're like, I am not a lazy person. I am not a lazy person. But they always like catch me at these like moments where they go, you're lazy. And they have this misperception about who I am. I am not a lazy person. They just happen to catch me at the wrong moments. Okay, now here's, here's the reality. Here's the reality. This is hard, so check yourself, okay? This is gonna be hard. There are no misperceptions. It's just people's perceptions. It's just what they perceive of you or other things. There are no misperceptions. It is just their perception of who you are, of what other things are all about. It is just their perception. There are no misperceptions and usually people have gained those perceptions honestly. Usually that is the case. Perceptions are powerful because they are the basis of what we make our decisions on. Let me say that again. The reason that perceptions are so powerful, they are the basis of what we make our decisions on. Like you have a perception about me. You do. Like, am I a nice guy? Don't, don't, don't say anything, please. <laughs> please. Please don't say anything. But am I a nice guy? Do I have a faith that is worth following? You even have a perception about, is he too busy to meet with me, to connect with me? Now your perceptions are powerful because you will make decisions based on your perceptions. You'll make decisions. Like, will I really want to be in relationship with him? Am I gonna lean into relationship with that guy or am I gonna lean away from relationship? Will I choose to partner together in mission with Pastor Tim or not. Those are the kinds of decisions that we make based on our perceptions. And guess what? You have perceptions on all kinds of different things. You have perceptions about the restaurants we have here in town, right? Five star, one star, no star, whatever. You, those are your perceptions and you probably have gained them honestly, right? It's your perceptions. You have perceptions about particular brands of cars, right? 
I always want to drive this type of car. I never am going to buy one of those sort of cars. Why? Because you perceive things about that car manufacturer. You have perceptions about all kinds of different things. Political parties, right? How do you make a decision on who you're going to vote for? Because you have a perception about a particular brand of politics. And it's your perceptions. See, perceptions are based on everything you perceive. What you see, what you hear, and you also base your perceptions on the perceptions that other people have shared with you. Right? We sometimes form our perceptions on what other people have told you. So about me, if you've heard, oh man, Pastor Tim, he's a really nice guy, then that helps to formulate your perception. Oh, okay, well, I trust this person. This is why in our age, in our culture, online reviews are so important. Why? Because we like, we Google something. What should my perception be, right, about that church or that brand or that restaurant or whatever it is? We go and we see what have other people said? What are their perceptions, right? So our perceptions are based on everything that we perceive. And people have a perception about you. Not just me. <laughs> and remember, there are no misperceptions. Just the perceptions that people have. And here's the key idea that I want you to wrestle with today along with me. We are responsible for the perceptions that others have about us. We are responsible for those perceptions. Now, immediately when you hear that, our minds can go to two different arguments, two different things that, that I think could be mistakes when you hear that comment that we are responsible for the perceptions that others have of us. The first one is, Pastor, I already care too much about what people think about me. Like, I already care too much. Or the second mistake that people may have when they hear that comment is this. I don't care what people think about me. I think both of those are errors. I think both of those are mistakes. And let me just share very, very briefly about why I think that and what we're gonna see in today's message and the text from 1 Timothy chapter four. First, about people who say, man, Pastor Tim, I already, like, man, I'm already burdened with what people think about me. Here's the issue. I think too often, we put way too much emphasis on what people think about issues of our life that matter very, very little. And then we put too little emphasis on things that we should be really, really caring about, about what people perceive about us. So in other words, we often are putting emphasis on the wrong things to try to like look perfect in people's eyes about things that matter actually very, very little. And that steals away the opportunity we have to emphasize really what we should be paying attention to, 
about the way people perceive us. And then the second thing where some of us might say, I just don't care at all what people think about me. I'm just gonna do me. And then like, they can sort out their own stuff. I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care what you think about me. And what we're gonna see, I believe, in just a moment, in 1 Timothy chapter four, is that that idea is non-optional for followers of Jesus. We are responsible for the perceptions that are being built in the minds of others about who we are. You ready to get to what Paul said to his spiritual son, Timothy, where we're gonna unpack these ideas? Okay, check this out. 1 Timothy 4, verses 12 through 16. Let me read this and just follow along. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And he's talking to Timothy here. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see. Say those three words. Everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Really important and fantastic portion of scripture here in Paul's letter to Timothy. And we could talk so much about each of these different little phrases. We're just gonna like dive into a few of them and see what we can learn about the power of perception. Now, the first thing that Paul says here in this scripture is he says, don't let anyone look down on you. Now, before you start like, okay, before you like even think about like, is it like, are they people looking down on me? Are they looking up at me? Are they looking sideways at me? I don't know. Here, I want you to think about this obvious truth first of what Paul is saying. People are looking at you. That's like, that's the obvious truth. People are looking. People are forming perceptions about who and what you are all about. They're watching you. Your boss watches you, like we said. Teachers watch you. Our neighbors watch us. And if you are married or maybe you have children, guess what? They have a $1,000 front row center seat to watch your life, and they are not going to miss a thing. People are looking. Now, let's go back and, and yeah, just keep that scripture up there for a moment. First Timothy, just that first scripture, First Timothy 4, 12. Don't let anyone look down. Everybody say look down. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. Everybody say set an example. For the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Listen, Paul is reminding Timothy, your perception matters. 
What people perceive about you actually is going to make a difference. And Paul says people are either looking down on you, meaning that they have a poor perception about who you are, or they're looking up at you because you're actually an example to them. And you know what? We always look up to those who we are wanting to pattern our lives after. Right? If I, if I see something about your life and I'm like, oh man, I love how Hector serves other people. I, I, wanna, I wanna be more like Hector in that area of my life. Or I see Doug and how he, he cares for just different groups of people in our city about how they would come to know Jesus. And I love his fervor about that. You know what, when we look up, or when, we, when, we, when we're wanting to pattern something, someone in, in our life and say, man, I, I wanna pattern who I'm growing to be after that person means we're looking up at them. So what Paul is saying is that people are either looking down at you or they're looking up. But right in the middle of this, Paul says this. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Timothy was thinking, because right, he was a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. So Paul was writing to him, kind of like inserting his statement right into the middle of Timothy's negative thinking. Because Timothy is imagining, oh my gosh, I'm so young. I have way less life experience than a lot of people in this church. No one is going to want me to be their pastor. Now he was their pastor. By the authority and grace of God in his life, he was the pastor, but he's got all this negative thinking about who and what he was. And so Paul goes, hey, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you. Don't let anyone develop a perception about you that is less than what God would be wanting to do in and through you and your story. Don't let anyone look down on you. So he inserts himself right into Timothy's negative thought patterns and says, Timothy, no excuses. No excuses for the perceptions that people may have on you. Your youthfulness makes no difference on whether or not you can be an example to others who are around you in your circle. There are no excuses. So another question, what excuse might you have about why, oh, people probably have a bad perception about me. People probably look down on me because, boop. What is it for you? Are there things that you may look at your life and say, ah, man, people look down on me because? And guess what? Paul says no excuses. Now listen, Paul could have had a really, really good excuse because he had been a horrible person, a horrible, terrible, violent, murderous person before Jesus got a hold of his life. So if, if anybody would have had a really, really good excuse, it would have been Paul himself, 
when he's saying, yeah, no excuses about this. Because like, here's, what, here's what's in my Instagram feed. You ready? You ready to know what, what's in Paul's Instagram feed? Ready? Here's his story. It's in 1 Timothy 1. Just back up a few chapters, verses 13 and 14. And he says, even though I once was a blasphemer, right? Like just like cursing God, blasphemer, and a persecutor, going after people violently, and a violent man. And that bad things to have on your resume. Blasphemer, persecutor, violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I mean, he's calling himself out. Like, I was stupid and unfaithful. That, that, that was me. That was my story. But beside that, I was shown mercy. And he goes on and says, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. I love that word abundance. I mean, it's like more than enough. More than I could have ever asked for because I did not deserve this. His grace was poured out on this wreck of an individual. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Woo! Listen, many people discount their credibility. Right, might have an excuse for why people would look down on me because of the life they used to live. And Paul says, me too. I was the worst of the worst. That this is the good news. It's not about me. It is about what Jesus is doing in my story. That's why people can now look up to me. When in natural terms, man, they should be looking down. But guess what? They can look up and follow me as I follow Christ. I'm gonna just, listen, just look around the room. There could be a whole lot of excuses, right, for why people would not want to look up to you or me or the person down the road. I mean, just look around, look around the room, right? Just look around. Oh, man, yeah, that, that person, like Timothy, too young. That person, way too old. We don't look up to people that old, right? Or that person may, in our community, speak the wrong language, have the wrong tone of skin, right? Does that person have documentation to be here in our country? Why, why do we look down? Why, why might we look down on different people? Or, man, I went to high school with that person sitting over there. They're not even belong in this room, right? They're like Paul. They were a wreck. There are so many reasons why we could come up with excuses for why I'm not really responsible for the perception that people have of me because I'm to this, I'm to that, right? I don't have the right credentials. I'm undereducated. I'm overeducated. I use too big of words. Whatever. And Paul says, no excuses. He says, don't let anyone look down on you for any reason. Youthfulness was just Timothy. Remember, we learned last week from 
Pastor Jen, which was brilliant, that God's word was written for us, it was not written to us. This was written to Timothy. Timothy's issue was youthfulness. What's your issue? What's my issue? What do I make excuses for? So no excuses. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus and you now have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, then there should be absolutely no reason whatsoever, nothing that would prevent you from being an example to those who are around you. But here's some really good news to those in that first category who I said, but Pastor Tim, I'm already too concerned what people think about me. This is some really good news. You do not have to be an example for people to look up to in every area of life. You do not have to have like an Instagram-worthy home, car, clothing, my hair, right, perfect, my makeup. Man, I, I do tutorials so that other people can look up to me about how I look and everything. You don't have to have perfect vacations. You don't have to have, you don't even have to have perfect, air quotes, children, right, that you can like show off on, on social media. You know what, the, n- none of those things are bad things. I have a nice house, decorate it nicely, do, you know, whatever. But those are not the things that Paul says matter. And oftentimes, listen, we spend way too much of our time and energy trying to perfect things on the outward side of who we are when on the inside we're dying. And Paul says, flip that around, flip it around. And so what Paul does here is he gives us five different things. He says, these are the things that you should be paying attention to. These are the areas of life that you should be growing in, okay? You ready? Let's put that scripture back up there. Just 1 Timothy 4.12, that that last little bit where he says, set an example for the believers. And and later, by the way, he said, oh, we just have to set an example for other Christians. Actually, later, in a few verses later, he says, so everyone can see, everyone. Neighbors, teachers, bosses, you know, everybody. So don't get caught off by that. But set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, I'm only gonna spend a few minutes talking about one of those five. I'm just gonna like unpack just for a minute, just, just one of those five. But I want you to just look at that list for a moment. Meditate on it. Just keep that scripture up there. What is the Holy Spirit talking to you about in any one of these areas? Your speech. Working on growing what comes out of my mouth. By setting an example for others. Your conduct, working on the choices you make, your life choices, the big ones, the way you live your life. What about your love? Are you working on growing your love? How 
you care for all those around you? Maybe your faith. Are you working on growing your trust in Jesus even in those times that are really, really challenging and difficult? Or what about your purity? Are you growing in how you honor God with your sexuality? Now, all of these, the Paul lists here, all five of these, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, all of them actually are pretty highly visible to the world around us. All of them have areas like, you know, our conduct is gonna show. If we are a person of growing faith, it's going to show. Even if we're like in a secular field or secular job or whatever, it's gonna leak out, friends. And it will create a perception of who and what we're all about. Our purity, our sexuality, if we're honoring the Lord or if we're just seeking to honor and please ourselves, It's gonna show. People are gonna notice (laughs) if we're growing in purity or not. All five of these have really dramatic areas that that create the perception. I just wanna talk though about one for a moment. It's one that I've actually been thinking about for quite a while and, and like waiting for an opportunity to just drop something into your spirit that I've been meditating on for probably a couple of years and have never brought up, but here's Paul talking about it right here. I think that Paul put speech at the first part of that list very intentionally. I think that one of the absolute things that create a perception about who you and I are is what people hear coming out of our mouths. And by speech, we could also include social media on that as well, what we post, (laughs) right? Now listen, in my lifetime, and I'm, I'm getting older. You can see by the gray hairs. But in my lifetime, many of yours, there has been such a massive shift on what our culture seems to have said is acceptable speech. You know, when I was, when I was a kid growing up, I mean, it was rare to you know, hear an F-bomb dropped ever in, in any setting. You know, in media, in print, in, on people's T-shirts, you know, wherever, and now it's like, man, that curse word is used like a comma. I mean, there are people who cannot get a sentence out of their mouth without effing this and effing that. It's just, it is so commonplace. And not just, of course, the F-bomb, but I mean, just language in general has become very, very different and not going in a good direction. And listen, can I tell you that as, as your pastor, I, I never ever want to become like the Pharisee who's chasing people around saying, oh, oh you, you shouldn't say that. I heard what you said. Like, you know, I'm like the thought police or the word police and I'm like chasing people around, you know, telling them what they, they shouldn't say. But would you allow me to give you a pastoral recommendation? Is that, is that cool? Yeah. Anybody down for a pastoral re- recommendation? Stop swearing. (laughs) Now, for some of you, you're like, done. Like, 
why are you even talking about that? I'm telling you, this is such a huge opportunity to set ourselves apart from the culture around us. This is such an opportunity. In fact, can I, can I tell you this, that swearing has become so commonplace in our culture that it's like, it's just expected. It's anticipated. So when you don't swear, people notice. Whoa, you just got hit by a pitch. What's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? Not swearing? People are like, what's going on in her life? What's she all about? Because people anticipate that when something bad happens, or like I said, just the adjectives that have come into our commonplace cultural understanding of what's acceptable. When they don't hear that coming out of your mouth, it actually creates this very interesting space that people are like, why? Why? What is going on? And it creates such a beautiful opportunity. And listen, there are very few things that are this, I think, dramatic in our cultural moment of setting ourselves as followers of Jesus apart from just everyone else who's living their own journey, who's coming up with all of their own rules, their own sensibility of what's right and wrong. Listen, when we don't swear, we are creating this space for God to show up. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul said this. He said, don't use foul or abusive language. Believe me, there are so many scriptures that we could have turned to about what is coming out of our mouth, but just listen to this one. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say, oh, everything, Paul, that's what we're working toward. This is what we're working toward. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, what happens is when we stop swearing, it creates this space, this vacuum into which we can start layering in other things that are actually inspired by our faith. So when we stop swearing, what we're saying is, I am choosing not to use the language of the world, what I'm choosing instead is to use language that's inspired by what God is doing in my story. Woo. Let's go to the last verses in this little passage. Show you a couple last little things and then we'll, we'll pray. Because we need prayer. <clears throat> The last verses in this passage are verse 15 and 16, and I want you to stop and note a couple of things with me. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may, what? See See your progress. Remember, people are watching. Watch your life and your 
doctrine closely, meaning this, meaning like what you believe, that's fantastic. That's your doctrine, by the way. Like, this is what I believe. But it's not enough to only consider what I believe. We also must watch our life, like our speech, our conduct, our faith, our love, our purity. Like, those things matter, Paul is saying. It's not enough to just to say, Jesus is my savior, I raised my hand, I got baptized that one time, and all is good. Yes, it's good, but Paul is saying, in addition to what you believe, you need to be paying attention to how you live. Because people are watching. Watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In other words, people are watching and people are listening to who you and I are, what we're all about. So I want you to just note two important things here as we get ready to close. First, Paul says, so that everyone may see your perfection. Is that what he says? Did I get that right? Oh, no, I, I messed that up. So that everyone may see your progress. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That he did not say perfection. Listen, check this out. It is not about perfection, it's about direction. It's not about, like, do we have our lives completely all buttoned up and nothing ever wrong comes out of my mouth and, man, I am pure 100,000% of the time, never have a wrong thought, my conduct is perfect, my faith. Mm -mm. This side of heaven, man, it is always going to be like this fight, this challenge. That's why Paul says, hey, Timothy, like, give yourselves holy to this. Like, be diligent, he says. He says, persevere in these things. Why? Because it's gonna be a challenge. But thank God he doesn't say so that everyone can see your perfection. He says so that everyone can see your progress. Am I growing in these things? Are these things that are like, God, I wanna be more like you. Jesus, I wanna be more like you. So I'm growing in these things. And here's something amazing that God has given us. Confession, repentance. Do you know the power of perception in the mind of an unbeliever when you go in to them and say, I really blew it. I was wrong. I'm, I'm so sorry. Do, do you think you could forgive me for what I, what I did? Whew. You know what? Because no one does that except people who have a Jesus story that is working its way through their lives. This Jesus story that is like leaking out and, and, and I recognize my imperfection. And so I confess it and I say to those around, I go to my children and say, you know what, dad was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. What is the perception then? They already knew I was imperfect. The people where you work, when you go to them and say, man, I, I really blew that. I, I could have done that so much better. Could you find it in yourselves to like give me another chance? They already knew you were imperfect. 
So when you confess where you were imperfect, repent of that. Oh, it changes so much of the perception that others have because of what Jesus is doing in your story. So remember, this is not about perfection, it's about direction. Are you growing? Is there progress? That's what people should be able to see. That's how we become examples for others, that we're growing in these things. Isn't that good? And then here's the second thing that we're gonna close with. It's that last phrase, so powerful. When he makes the goal of all of this super, super clear, when he says this, he says that all of your hard work, your diligence, your perseverance is gonna pay off this way. He says, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Yourself. Now, listen, this is not like some works-oriented way to gain your salvation. We're saved by grace. That's our doctrine. Like, I can't earn my salvation. We're, we're good on that, folks. You cannot work your way, grow your way into God's favor. You already have it. In other words, you're already saved. But are those who are around you, do they have that saving grace of Jesus in their story? Do they know Jesus yet? How are they gonna be led to Jesus? Because you are watching not only your doctrine, but your life closely. You are building a perception in the people, lives around you. Our church has a perception. What is it? What do our neighbors think about the Santa Maria Fourscore Church? What do your neighbors think about your home? How are you influencing that perception in ways that matter? It's not because your house is so beautiful. That doesn't hurt. Clean it up. (laughs) But what's coming out of your home? Is it fights and arguments and F-bombs? They know. Or is it love? Is it parties where people aren't all drunk? (laughs) It's our conduct right? They know. What is the perception? Are you a safe person? Can I go and talk to you about the most challenging issues of my life? And folks, it's not because we're perfect. It's because of Jesus, what he's done in my life and what he's doing right now. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you even for the challenging things, Lord, that we have to interact with because this is what your word tells us. Lord, and I pray that God, that anyone that would feel like they're coming under any kind of a shame or any anxiety, like to, man, I've gotta be perfect in in all these areas of my life. God, I want them to hear from you, not just from me. This is not about perfection. This is about the direction of our life. And when we blow it, when we make mistakes, Lord, that we go and we make them right. You have given us these powerful tools of confession, of repentance, and of rebuilding trust. So God, I ask, Lord, that you would allow us, Father, to be people who represent your story really well in our story. Because there is power in the perception that people have of us. 
May we be good stewards of that. And Lord, I just pray that, Father, anything that someone may be feeling kind of the conviction of the Holy Spirit in about what comes out of their mouth or their conduct or their love, any of these things, that, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to them right now. Lord, that they would be able to have a conversation with you right now about wanting to grow in that area. Take responsibility for it. In Jesus' name. If you have an area, a particular area of your life that you're like, this is the area that I need to grow in. My purity. My whatever. Anything that you would even use as an excuse for why people may not look up to you. I'm just gonna ask you, please, please, please come and find someone on our prayer team today and just, just name it. You don't have to go into a big old gross description to say, this is my area, it's my mouth, or it's my purity, or it's my whatever, and allow them to pray with you and over you for a breaking of that curse that you've kind of been under so that you can take responsibility with the grace of Jesus, just like Paul did in his own story. It's because of the grace that I've received in Jesus. So we wanna pray grace over you in Jesus' name. But before you go, the one other thing in this list that Paul says is our faith. I just have a very simple question. Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus? See, none of this is gonna make sense and none of it's even gonna be possible if you have not said yes to Jesus. If you've not surrendered your life to him and said, Jesus, I need you, I need your forgiveness, I need your touch, I need your grace in my life. And if you haven't done that right now, perfect time, because he wants to come and empower your story. He wants to forgive and heal any area of sin or brokenness in your life. And if you need to do that for the first time or if you need to reaffirm your faith in Jesus, would you just like lift up your hand and say, Pastor Tim, that's me. I am saying yes to Jesus. Anybody here today? Yeah, ma'am, I agree with you today. Yeah, praise the Lord. Anybody else just wants to say, I, I wanna like affirm my faith. I wanna affirm my faith in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yeah, for both of you guys. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I'd love for you to come as well when we finish and just receive prayer. We also have just a free gift we'd like to give you just like to help you on that journey of saying yes to Jesus. God, we love you. We're grateful for you. Thank you that next week we get to like take all of your goodness out onto the streets of Santa Maria, interact with thousands of our neighbors um, so that, Lord, we can help tell your story in, a, in some beautiful and powerful ways. Help us as we get ready to do that this next Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, blessings on you. You are loved. Love you. Have a great, great week. Come and receive prayer.